Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. To Healing Sunday. Jesus came to set the captives free. And I want to talk to us about His healing compassion. God's healing compassion. Psalm 145 and verses 8 and 9. Let's thank the Lord. Let's hold our Bibles to heaven and say, Thank you, Father, for Your holy written Word. It is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what Your Word says I have. I am what Your Word says I am. I can do what Your Word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the Word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, healing is a work of faith with power. Healing is the work of faith with power. You'll find that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 11, where it says that God would desire to work in us the good pleasure of His will and the work of faith with power. It's not just faith and it's not just power. It's faith with power. And if we could ever get the two to come together, you've got a dynamic explosion uh, for God, a dynamic power at work for God on our behalf. And so we have to study the Word of God to acquire faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But the power of God is manifest as you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts 1, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come on you. The same power that Jesus was anointed with to go about and heal all that were oppressed of the devil. So that's just a little nugget for you today. And I firmly believe that we've got to become a student of divine healing. I thank God for our healing services. But in actuality, for a person to really benefit from the healing power of God and maintain victory in his health, it's going to take becoming a student of healing, of the subject of divine healing in health because it involves a whole lot more than just coming to a service and being healed of whatever disease you might have. Even after you receive your healing, to maintain it, you've got to know the Word of God and you've got to be able to resist the devil that he would flee from you. And also God's position on sickness and disease. What, what I want to do is just give it this approach because I've been talking about the love of God and I want to continue along that line. Look at verse uh, 8, if you would, please, in Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Aren't you glad that when you squeeze God, compassion comes out? Aren't you glad for that? When you're squeezed, what comes out of you? Oh, let's not answer that question here this morning. Let's move right along here. And... Slow to anger. Are you slow to anger? Aren't you glad that God is? And of great mercy. Everybody say great mercy. Oh, I love that. Great mercy. You can't exhaust His mercy. 
The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies or His compassions are over, notice this expression, all His works. Everybody say all His works. Not just some of His works, but all of His works. We've been talking about the fact that God is love, and that love is not a subject. Love is a person. God is love. And so when you study love, you study God. And we concluded that love is the reason for creation. It's the creative force in creation. It's the reason why everything was brought into being. Love is the reason for life. Without love, life loses its meaning and its purpose. You know why people take their lives when they're, let's say, they go through a relationship, um, they thought maybe they were going to get married, uh, they had a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever, and they get to a place where they break up and it's a hor- horrific situation, and a person, one of the individuals, just feels as though their, their life has come to an end. There's no reason for me to live. I've counseled many people like that. And in some cases, they go and take their lives because life lost its meaning and purpose because they didn't experience love. Well, beloved, love is a lot deeper than just between a boyfriend and a girlfriend. And those people didn't realize that God loves them with an endless love, an unfailing love, an everlasting love that would give their lives value, meaning, and purpose. They just didn't find it in the right place. See, love, as far as we should be concerned, is the reason for existence. Because love brought everything that is into existence. And everything that exists, exists for love. When man fell in the beginning, it was selfishness rebelling against love. Lucifer began the whole thing by saying, I will, I will, I will, I will. Selfishness. I will raise my throne above the stars, above the throne of God. He stepped out of the realm of love into the realm of selfishness and lived for self and lived in rebellion against God, against love. And so he became the author of death. And then, of course, he makes his appeal to Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve sinned, it was a sin against love. And in fact, in anything in actuality, what they did was they failed to set their love on God. They set their love on self. Jesus said, if you love your own life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for His sake in the Gospels, you'll gain the higher life. Our biggest battle, I told my daughter just the other day, my, my daughter Carly and I, we had a little bit of a lesson because of some situations that were occurring in the house. And I sat down and gave her a lesson on love and selfishness. And I began to show her what they were all about. And I showed her that when you live for yourself, then you don't care who you hurt along the way. You're not concerned about other people. You're concerned about yourself. You're concerned about your own feelings. You're concerned about whether or not other people will benefit you and your life. Satan used others for his own good for his own purpose, to promote himself. He thought this was a way that he could do it. Did he have a concern or regard whatsoever for Adam and Eve? Absolutely not. He was only concerned about what he can get for himself out of the deal. Do you see that? So love sinned, uh, I'm sorry, selfishness sinned against love, and we call that rebellion, and it opened up the door to every evil and heartache known to mankind, including sickness and disease. Sickness and disease is the foul offspring of sin and death. If there was no sin, there would be no death. 
If there was no sin and death, there would be no disease. In Romans 5.12, it is stated that because of one man and by his sin, death entered into the world. Sin and death came into the world by the decision that Adam and Eve made to be selfish and self-centered and live to please themselves and not God. And so as a result, all these evils came into the realm in which we live. And let's face it, it caused all kinds of chaos and tragedy in human experience. Sickness and disease being one of the tragedies. If there was no sin, there would be no sickness or disease. Well, every tree produces after its own kind. The vine is responsible for the fruit that grows on the branch. The branch is not responsible for what kind of fruit it bears. It is the vine. And if the life of the vine is death, guess what? All kinds of things that we call fruit will be produced. The fruit of sickness, the fruit of disease, the fruit of anxiety and worry and lack and fear and want, despair, tragedy, discouragement. We can go on and list all these different fruits of sin and death. And that law of sin and death in its working in the human life is designed to destroy and actually do three things, kill, steal, and destroy. That's what it's designed to do. And sickness and disease kills, steals, and destroys, does it not? So it's from that wrong tree. But the tree of life produces what? Blessings, health, wholeness, healing, joy, peace, happiness, prosperity. And Jesus said there's a dividing line between what God does and the devil does. He came to give life and that in abundance, but Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. And so when Satan came to visit Adam and Eve, it was for the purpose of stealing, killing, and destroying, not giving life. He gives nothing to no one at any time. So don't believe him. But Jesus says, I came from heaven to earth to offer you life and everything that goes with it on that tree. Now, I want you to notice here that it says in, in, in verse 9 that God's tender mercies or His compassions are over all of His works. Let's define compassion. Compassion is our having feelings of sympathy towards suffering coupled with an earnest, yearning desire to alleviate the suffering. That's what compassion is. It is feelings of sympathy towards suffering or for suffering. Coupled, but see, it doesn't stand alone. Coupled with a yearning, yearning, earnest desire to alleviate that suffering. That's what compassion is. Well, my question then when I studied this out was, why is there compassion? Why was there a need for compassion? Why should there be compassion over all His works? All His works were created perfect, beautiful, wonderful. Go back in Genesis in chapter 2, verse 1. They were brought to their predestined end. God saw all the works of His hands and He said everything is very good. Very good. Did He not? So everything was born of love. And love was at work until one day Adam and Eve sinned. And when Adam and Eve sinned through rebellion, what took place? All of the works of God suffered at the hands of selfishness. Guess what? Love is a product of... I'm sorry, compassion is a product of love. Compassion is a product of love. See, love brought it all into being and, and love brought everything into a place of perfection. But guess what? It didn't stay that way. And because man sinned and all creation suffered, when God looked down and saw the suffering 
of all His works, guess what He had? Compassion. God felt feelings of sympathy coupled with an earnest, yearning desire to alleviate the suffering that all His works began suffering because of the fall. You know, that's why Satan has no regard for you. That's why your enemy has no regard for you whatsoever. Because you see, you're not his creation. I'm not his creation. He has no concern for any human being on the planet that ever lived. Because we are not his creation. And guess what? When it's not your creation, you're not attached to it. You have no concern about it whatsoever. But we are the work of God, are we not? And when God saw us in our, our suffering, He was compassionate toward us, having a desire to come and alleviate our suffering. I like to look at it this way. My little girl Carly, she's down in, in a playroom and she's building with her little building blocks this wonderful palace or castle or sometimes a little tower, she calls it. And she's got all these blocks carefully put together. How many of you know that when a two-year-old boy sees a building going up, especially if his name begins with a D, Dante, I mean, he comes just bopping around the corner. He sees this little castle and runs in and kerpow! And all the blocks go every which way but loose. Right? Guess what? Carly cried and Dante laughed. He's laughing up a storm and she's got tears coming down her, streaming down her face. Why? That was her work. That was her effort. That was her creation. Not his. But guess what? The day came when the roles were reversed. And Dante built his little castle and he was so proud of his little tower and Carly walked in and just went, knocked that thing right on down. Guess who cried and guess who laughed? Carly was laughing and Dante was crying, Carly knocked down. And I thought, my goodness. See, that was his creation. That was his work. He was attached to that. He had an interest in that. And as a result, he hurt and he felt hurt because of the suffering of his little power. All of God's creation, we are all of his works, all of his creation has suffered because of the fall. But God, who takes an interest in us, is concerned about us. And listen, his feelings of sympathy coupled with a yearning, earnest desire to alleviate our suffering moved him from heaven to earth. That's powerful. That's a deep compassion, wouldn't you say? In other words, it moved him to leave the glory world behind, become a man, come to the earth, and do what? Alleviate the suffering. That's why Jesus came. To undo, outdo, and overdo all the works of the devil. He came to save what was lost. He came to restore man in spirit, soul, and body. Compassion is a product of love. And God so loved the world that because of His feelings of sympathy toward our suffering, 
He left the glory world, became a man, and walked upon the earth to do what? To alleviate our suffering in spirit, soul, and body. Look at Mark's Gospel, if you would, please, with me in chapter 1. And I want to show you that healing is a work of compassion. And that those of us who desire to really minister effectively the healing power of God to others must understand the love of God for His creation and also experience the compassion that God has for human suffering. God is against human suffering. God does not promote human suffering. He is not the author of human suffering. We saw who was and we saw who we could blame. The devil in Adam and Eve. And also we could say self-centeredness. Living to please ourselves and not living to please God. Here in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 40, there came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. If you will, you can make me clean. You can make me whole. Look at the next verse. And Jesus moved with what? With feelings of sympathy coupled with an earnest, yearning desire to alleviate his sufferings. Now, as I was studying this out, and I don't want you to hear me wrong, it wasn't that I heard a voice, it wasn't an audible voice, but you know, spiritual things happen and you can't explain them sometimes. But an inward knowing, you know what I mean by an inward knowing, came into my being. An inward knowing that God was speaking to my heart and He was saying to me this, why was Jesus compassionate? What was the reason for His compassion? And I thought, well, first of all, I thought because He's a leper. And as a leper, you live in a colony. And because you're isolated, you can't have your family around you, you can't mingle with other people, life is miserable when you can't hug your child. Do you see that? You lose everything in life. But that's one reason. But I knew there was more that God wanted me to see. Why else was He compassionate? Listen to His question. If you will, you can. He didn't know if God would. You know, Jesus' heart went out to this man whose mind was in such darkness, he didn't know the nature of God. He didn't know the love of the Father. He had no clue as to what God was all about. And Jesus had compassion well up inside him for this man's ignorance of who God is and of His character and of His love and concern for humanity. If you will... Thou canst make me clean. I know you can, but you know what? I don't really know that you will. I don't know what your will is in the matter. And oh, Jesus, welled up with compassion, doesn't, didn't hesitate at all. See, God's not just concerned about our physical well-being, but our mental and emotional well-being, and also, most importantly, our spiritual well-being. He saw this man's spiritual condition. He saw the effects that had on his mind. He didn't even know God at all. He had no clue what God was all about. And then thirdly, his body was being destroyed by leprosy. He was moved with what? Compassion toward this man. Look what he did. He put forth his hand, and that's the message right there in itself, and touched him, because you're not supposed to touch anybody that's unclean, and saith unto him, oh, those beautiful words, I'm glad were never left out. I will. He didn't say I can and I will. The man knew he could, but he was addressing his doubt, his lack of knowledge 
of God. And he said, I will. That should answer it forever. It's the will of God for all people to be healed and to be whole. I will. And what moved him? Everybody, what moved him? And why did Jesus have compassion upon this man? Because he is his creation. He has an interest in this man. He's a part of his works. And his compassion and mercies are over all of his works. He's a part of that. And so are you this morning. So are you. His compassion is all over you. See, too often people don't realize that because they're not taught that. They think that God's up there waiting for them to make a mistake so He can, you know, browbeat them with something. But that's not true. That's not God. God loves you the way you are. I want to say something that's going to bless your socks off if you're wearing them or your nylons, whichever applies. Can you ever do enough for God throughout the course of a day? You know, one of the things that the enemy who has no interest in our lives, by the way, and no regard for us whatsoever, uses to paralyze our faith is what? You could pray the prayer of faith if you read enough today, if you meditated enough today, if you prayed enough today, well, then you would be able to reach heaven and God would answer your prayer. How many of you know that you can pray 24 hours, 24 hours in a day and it's still not be enough? You can study the Bible 24 hours that day and you still have feelings that it wasn't enough. You can praise all day long, 24 hours. Guess what? You can't praise 24 hours and read the Bible 24 hours. You can't read the Bible 24 hours and pray 24 hours. So which does He want us to do for the 24 hours? You know God's not unreasonable? I said God's not unreasonable. We're hard on ourselves. I believe that God is satisfied if you took His Word and said, Father, show me something I need to know today. You take that piece of information, that nugget of truth from His Word and meditate that throughout the course of a day and praise Him for it and worship Him. And guess what? You've pleased your Father. He's not unreasonable. He knows that you have a family. He knows you've got to go to work. He knows you've got to sleep. He knows you've got to eat. He knows all these different things you've got to do with your life. He knows all that. He's not unreasonable. So, don't feel guilty. And don't let guilt paralyze your faith any longer. Get into the realm of love where God really exists because God is love. And let His love be the motivating force of your life and you'll begin to see God at work in a powerful way. He loves you even though you didn't read for 24 hours yesterday. Now, I want to show you something. This is a quick testimony that that God taught me something in His testimony about His love. I had come home from a Bible study. This was uh, years ago where I was teaching a Bible study in Youngstown, Ohio. And on the way home, it was late at night, I saw a fella lying on the road and he's lying on the road next to the guardrail and he's just flat out with his head cut open and blood pouring out. And so I went over to see what was going on. Another fellow had stopped as well. And we found out that the fellow, first of all, you can tell he was inebriated before you ever got near him. And so then you put two and two together. He fell, hit his head on the guardrail and split it open. And so that's what t- took place. Someone had called the ambulance. The ambulance came, but the fellow didn't want to go with the ambulance. And so we stood there looking over this fellow and the other fellow who was a Christian as well and I... We took him, picked him up, put him in our vehicle, took him over to his house, found out where he lived, took him home. I've got the family in the car, the kids in the car and all that. Took him home, proceeded to clean him up, bind up his wound and preach to him the gospel and give him the good news. And told him about how much God loves him, Jesus cared for him and died for him and everything. Gave him all the whole counsel of God with regard to God's love for him. And then after 
praying with him and then leaving, I get back into a car. Now, this is about an hour later or, or, or more had transpired. And my son was perfectly well when I went to minister to this fellow. I get in the car and he is burning up with a fever. This was Jason when he was probably not even a year old. Burning up, burning up with high fever. Went home, put the other kids in bed, put him in bed, put the other kids in bed. And then I, as normal, would just proceed to come out of my bedroom and go into his bedroom. And I walk, walking right over to him and I'm going to pray over him the prayer of faith because that's what I know to do. Because he's got this high fever. He's lying there and breathing real heavy, real strong, you know, in and out, so hard, so heavy and strong because he's got this high fever. Well, again, one of these supernatural things happens. I get halfway into the room and all of a sudden it's like I walk into a brick wall and stop immediately. And again, not that I heard a voice, but I knew inside myself what God was saying to me and what, what He wanted me to do. You know what He said to me? It's like a transmission of knowledge without voice, if you can understand that. It's something like that. It's like a witness that you just know this is God speaking to me. And listen to these words. You have demonstrated my love for man and yours. And now I will demonstrate my love to you for your son. This is not my normal just go lay hands on the kid. And I stood there and looked at him and I knew exactly what to do. I looked at him, pointed my finger at him and said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, come out of him Loose him and let him go. The moment those words left my mouth, a black bird-like figure flew off the top of his brow and I watched it fly out the window. Gone. I looked back down at him. His heavy breathing stopped. His breathing was normal. I touched his forehead. Perfectly cool. Perfectly whole. Instant deliverance in his life. Love is the environment of healing. Compassion is what moved God to heal the sick. When people say that, listen, healing is not for today, guess what? Did God die? Because God is what? And what is compassion? A product of love. And what is compassion? Compassion is feelings of sympathy towards suffering coupled with a strong, earnest, yearning, heartfelt desire to alleviate the suffering. Has God changed? Is man still suffering sickness and disease today? Has God changed? No, He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. I'll give you one more verse. Look at Matthew 14, 14. If you would, please. And there are many others. Healing is a work of compassion. God's compassions fail not. His tender mercies over all His works because they're His works. And because we're His works, He is troubled when we suffer. See, it's not been presented that way. For too long, these mindsets that are, that are developed in people's minds are, well, God is punishing you with sickness and disease because you didn't do this and you didn't do that and you didn't do this and you did that or whatever. It's not God at work at all. Look at verse 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. What moved him? Compassion did. Compassion did. And that's exactly what moves him today. 
You know the Bible says He is our compassionate high priest because He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And because He became a man, He tasted death for us. He tasted sin and separation from His Father. And He can identify with where we're at in this life. And for that reason, He is a compassionate, compassionate high priest at the Father's right hand. Listen, saint, you don't want to get healed just so you can play in the ball game next week. You want to get healed because someone loved you enough to die for you and He cares about you so much. He's concerned about your suffering. No matter what you're suffering today, He's concerned about it and His power is present to alleviate your suffering because He has compassion toward you and does not want you to suffer any longer. And that's not just sickness and disease. That's everything the enemy can bring your way. Satan has no interest in your well-being. He has no regard for your life whatsoever at all. But God who made you, God who created you, He has compassion toward you and for you and He loves you with an endless love and it is desire of His to reach out to you and manifest in your life Himself, His glorious power to alleviate your suffering because He does not want you to suffer. I wish we had more time. There's some more scriptures about God's compassion, but I don't have it in my heart to go that way or do it. But, you know... Just trust me, saying of God, Jesus is the same today as He was yesterday when He walked this planet. And when He sees people that are suffering with sickness and disease, His heart, His life, wells up with compassion. And He has feelings of sympathy toward your suffering. But thank God that's coupled with the earnest desire to alleviate it. And guess what? It's so strong it's sent Him to the cross. When those stripes were placed on His back, He had you in mind. He bore them for you that you would be free from the sickness or the disease. Let's put it in its proper priority. He bore all He bore on the cross to alleviate your spiritual suffering of spiritual death. He bore what He bore on the cross so that you can have alleviated from your life, from your emotional well-being, any emotional condition whatsoever. The chastisement of His peace, of our peace, was upon Him. And then also He bore the stripes on Calvary's cross on His back, willingly, willfully, because of His love for you, His compassion for you was reaching out on the cross and He bore all that to alleviate your suffering in your physical body. Now, I know the biggest question when you teach like this is this. Then why are so many people sick and why is it that there are so many people that are not prayed for, that are prayed for, aren't healed? Beloved, I, that's, a, that's a seminar. I can't teach that in 20-some in minutes this morning. That's a seminar. And that's why I said become a student. Become a student. Amen? Become a student. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.